Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Hey guys, welcome back to Living Box Free. Excited that you're here with us. We are in the middle, well, not in the middle, we're toward the beginning of our Who Dat series, all about relationships and how they work and how to grow them. It's fun stuff. So fun. We are in the midst of talking about team dynamics and coworkers and those relationships because, man, we spend a lot of time with those people. We sure do. So before we jump into that, Let's talk about what's on the rise. What's on the rise for you this week, Becky? I feel like I've had a lot of baby things lately. (laughs) But (laughs) you are having a baby, so that's acceptable. And it's getting closer. What is on the rise for me this week? I actually have a coach. Her name is Lauren. She's been coaching me on vocabulary and terms (laughs) for babies. And uh, so, yeah, that's what's on the rise is learning new terms. Like my agriculture side wants to say milking. I should say nursing instead. (laughs) And uh, I also, like, I was at the gym the other day. Lauren was standing there listening, and two moms asked me, oh, my gosh, do you have a Nosfrida? A Nosfrida on your (laughs) your Amazon registry? Do you have a Hakka? And I'm literally saying, uh, is this English? What are you saying? What words are you saying? I don't know. Are you having a stroke in front of me right now? And then Lauren, our friend who does not have any children, is like, oh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, do you have do you I think you have a nose free on your registry. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you know this? <laughs> so I I mean, if I was in a trivia game with vocabulary for babies, I would be a horrible teammate. Yeah. But I'm learning. And, and Lauren there. Lauren is my fabulous coach. It's great. It is great. <laughs> What's on the rise for you this week? Oh boy. Well, as we are recording this, I'm getting ready to go see my family and surprise my father for his 70th birthday. And yeah, I feel like traveling, it's going to be really interesting. I'm interested to see what the airports are like and just what the stress level is like. I'm not really Mm -hmm. stressed for myself, but I'm an empathetic person. And so I feel like I'm going to pick up on the anxiety and the uncertainty of people around me, you know, on the plane, whatever. So yeah, a little travel, travel anticipation, I guess, is what's on the rise for me. So we'll see how that goes. Treat it like an experiment. Yes. (laughs) How are people... How are people reacting? How how do you feel? Tell me how you feel. Yeah. I'll just go around interviewing people at the airport. Oh, I love it. How do you feel about wearing Take a mask a mic right with now? You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, I feel like you need to leave me alone. <laughs> All right. Well, in our previous episode, we talked about the stages of a team and how they develop. And that's according to the Tuckman model, which Becky talked about. And today, we're going to dive deeper into the dysfunctions that can happen on a team and talk through some ways that you can manage those. So, yep. Let's try, let's just jump in. Let's just jump in. No further ado. <laughs> we we are going to be talking about the five dysfunctions of a team. And this is actually a book that's been around for quite some time by a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni. He's also a great speaker if you want to watch any of his YouTube videos. And Patrick, he also has some powerful quotes, and I'm a sucker for quotes. <laughs> so one of one of the quotes that Patrick has that I love, and I will share this in trainings that I do at work to at the very beginning. This quote is not finance, not strategy, not technology. It's teamwork that remains the ultimate competitive advantage, both because it's so powerful and it is so rare. Whoa. Yes. And that's a quote from Patrick in his book. And what I love about that is it it shows that a true high functioning team, it takes work. 
It is not something that just usually happens organically and it's easy and it doesn't require maintenance. No, no. It requires maintenance and investment and intentionality. And when you have a high-functioning team, you can accomplish so much. So that is, that's truly a competitive advantage. And whether you're a business owner or not, and you're just a member of a team, it feels so good when you are a part of a team that is functioning at a high level and everyone is on the same page. So Patrick Lencioni, he's, he's studied teams for a long time. We are going to talk about these five dysfunctions, and here's how it's going to go. We're going to talk about, first, what is that dysfunction? And there's actually a pyramid visual if you ever look this up online. So we're going to start at the bottom of the pyramid. And what will happen is each of those dysfunctions, in order for us to overcome that dysfunction, so like the first one's trust, we can't move on to the next part of that pyramid until we've established trust. So each of these dysfunctions, it requires fixing the one at the bottom of that pyramid and working our way up. Building blocks. Exactly. Got it. So we'll talk about each dysfunction. And then as we go, we'll talk about what are some strategies to overcome that barrier? So what do we need to do? And then finally, we'll just wrap it up with what's next for you and your team. So five dysfunctions, the bottom of that pyramid, the first thing that we have to have before we move on as a team is we have to have trust. That's hard. It is. So why is that the bottom? Because it's the hardest? It's it's the most important. Okay. Yeah. So without trust, you can't actually overcome those other obstacles that we'll talk about. So the first dysfunction is actually an absence of trust. And what, what does that look like? So an absence of trust, this is when team members are afraid to show their weaknesses. So they're not being vulnerable. And instead of sharing openly, team members resort to being more defensive and or reluctant to share or ask for help. So if mm. you think about that, you, you don't want to ask for help. You don't have that trust. You think, what are people going to think of me if I can't accomplish this? Or I don't know how to do this. Am I going to, they're going to think I'm stupid that I don't know how to work this or system. Or even, am I going to get fired if I can't do my job? Exactly. Yeah. So, so an absence of trust, it doesn't feel good. And, and that's what that dysfunction looks like. Now the key, how do we overcome that? Ways to overcome that. One of the pieces in Patrick Lencioni's book that he suggests is the leader should go first. So as, as a leader of the team, once again, could be the supervisor, or maybe you're just a confident person who's been on that team for a while, and you consider yourself a leader, even though you aren't a supervisor, you should go first in being vulnerable. You should be the first one to set the tone. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Here's how I've learned from my mistakes. So those are a couple of ways. And then also team building activities. Team building activities, like in our previous episode, I mentioned one of the first teams I was a part of at Elenco. In the first two weeks, we did a retreat as a team. And we talked about each other, about our lives in and out of work. And it just created your everyone was humanized and it created this, this trust and vulnerability. One of our previous episodes, bonus episodes, we actually did an activity called me in a box. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that is, that's an activity that you can do as a team building activity in person where you have a meeting and every person brings three items that fit in a shoe box that describe who they are. And it can be much more than who they are at work. And it, once again, it allows us to be vulnerable and share and even some of, some people might think that sounds cheesy, but man, once you get into it, everyone loves it. <laughs> like the most, the most cynical, oh, not into foo-foo stuff people yeah. end up loving it. Yeah. <laughs> so you just got to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Be okay with being vulnerable. And when everyone does it, it's, it's a really powerful experience. 
of course, there's other team building activities, rope rope courses, the the traditional stuff. Yeah, there's a place here in Indianapolis called Chef JJ's where you do a cook off. Oh, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, okay. so it's downtown. There used to be one in Broad Ripple, but it closed. And they sell the green egg, so it's a cook off, and you have to cook everything on the green egg. Oh, and they okay. divide you up into teams randomly, and it, it's super fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. No one wants me on their team because I'm not a good cook. <laughs> However, part of, at least when we do this competition with groups from Olenko, you have to then present your food to a panel of judges. And so I, I'm all about that. I'll present the food. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I'll talk about it. Just, <laughs> you can market it. You don't it. want me to cook it. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm thinking about like, uh, we've done some of those um, escape rooms or things like that. Where yes. you can, and then whoever is the leader just kind of has to be like, okay, I'm just going to try this thing. And if it yes. doesn't work, then we'll try something else. And that's I forgot it. about escape rooms. I yeah. love those. Yeah. Yes. They're pretty fun. I like puzzles, so. Yeah. Yeah, and talking about trust, I, I think I, it makes me automatically think of my favorite supervisor I've ever had was in college. So we're going way back. <laughs> he, I worked on the snow removal crew in college. I didn't know that. Yes. How cool. I know, it was super cool. And so often we would work through the night so that we could have all the sidewalks and roads clear in the morning for 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. classes. And I just remember the first time I drove the snowblower. So it was a tractor with a snowblower piece on the front of it. So this whole, like wide enough to do the whole sidewalk in one strip. Nice. And I remember he sent me out in the snowblower and then he came to check on me like an hour later. I mean, it was like one in the morning and he just was driving around checking on people. Yeah. And he came to check on me. And as he was pulling up, I ran into a rock wall and popped like a pin on the snowblower so the whole thing just stopped working. Oh, no. And he came over and he was like, hey, just checking on you. Do you need coffee or anything? I have some hot coffee back at the office I could grab you. And I was like, no, I'm okay. And he was like, oh, man, I have hit that wall before. It sucks. And those pins, man, they just popped the whole thing. I didn't get it. So just take it on back. You can put a new pin in. It'll be fine. You'll be back out in 15 minutes. And I was like, whew, okay. I didn't break anything horrible. And he's done this before. I'm not an idiot. So I think that's a great example of showing that he has also made mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. That's a beautiful example. And it's so powerful when the leader does it first. Because yes. I mean, we shouldn't, but oftentimes we put our supervisor or leader on a pedestal. Yes. And you think they probably do everything perfectly. So oh, I love that example. It was fun. I loved that job. Oh, gosh, <laughs> you are a night person. Yeah. I would I would need lots of coffee. Oh, I did, because I usually okay. had 8 a.m. classes, oh so I would gosh. usually get out of the snowblower, get coffee and breakfast, and go to class. Beast mode. Whew. It was rough. Impressive. Highest paying job on campus. Wow. Yep. I learned something new. There I didn't go. even know you did that. Yeah. How cool. Okay, so that's the bottom of our pyramid, the, the absence of trust. So we have to establish trust before we can fix the next dysfunction that often occurs. That next dysfunction is called fear of conflict. We talked about this a lot in our team's part one episode before this around that storming phase of how a team development develops. A quote Patrick Lencioni has in this section of his book, great teams do not hold back with one another. They're unafraid to air their dirty laundry. They admit their mistakes, their weaknesses, and their concerns without fear of reprisal. So that's Patrick Lencioni. One of the key things, and this, this goes back, we have to have trust, right, in order to feel comfortable to share about our mistakes and about our fears and, and admit weaknesses. Conflict um, amongst teams 
can actually be one of the the best things that enables us to uh, reach a better decision or so counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. People fear conflict, but gosh, healthy conflict is needed. And we actually have teams at Alenco where supervisors, if everyone agrees right off the bat and there's no discussion, they say, "Ah, BS, (laughs) this, this isn't good enough. We, once again, we're all going to put on the, the hat of the devil's advocate. Okay. And, and figure out what's wrong with this idea. Yep. And all of us are going to be the devil's advocate for the next 30 minutes because right now I, it sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so fear of conflict, what it looks like, uh, it is once again, if trust is not there, team members avoid conflict, replacing it with artificial harmony. And a lot of times you can tell when people are faking it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think Ash is probably even more in tune with that than me. Sometimes you can tell when people are faking it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I agree. Yeah, I don't. People very rarely fool me with mm-hmm. trying to fake it with just. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's OK. Yes. And sometimes people, even when they hear you say it's fine, they want to believe it because they yeah. do fear conflict. Yeah. And they just want to take it at face value, which sometimes you do just have to take someone at face value. But as a leader, maybe not so much. Yep. When there is a fear of conflict, teams oftentimes end up making inferior decisions because there isn't a good debate to filter those ideas and get to the best path forward. And and I want to reference an episode we had previously, Crucial Conversations. It talks about handling those conversations where there's high stakes, opposing views, and emotions. It's hard, but there is a way to navigate those conversations. So if, if you are someone who struggles with difficult conversations, you should go back, listen to that episode because navigating conflict and difficult difficult areas where you might disagree with others, it's so important amongst a team because yeah. we truly need to know where does everyone stand, what are they thinking in order for us to make the best decision. And I think this can go back to strengths too. When we talked about in our first episode, the personality tests of StrengthsFinder, I have deliberative in my top five, mm-hmm. which means I'm usually able to spot all of the obstacles in a plan, but it takes me a little bit to think through it. And so uh, one of the things I think they talk about it in StrengthsFinder or in one of the books um, is if you have someone with deliberate of, on your team, make sure that they get to talk about the plan, like make sure that they speak up. Because yeah. if you have someone with strategic or futuristic, like they can come up with a plan on the fly and it sounds great, but it might not be the best. And so you want to make sure that you actually take a, take time to talk through it. That's why we're such good teammates. Because <laughs> futuristic's like one of my top. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, seriously, that works out so well for us. Yes, it does. (laughs) Okay, so what what can we do? And I love that you mentioned strengths. So actually, can I pause for a second? Yeah. The reason that works out for us is because you ask my opinion. Ah, yeah. So I think that kind of is to the point of what you're saying of like, we're willing to have the conflict. We're willing to say, I'm willing to say, uh, hey, can we talk about that plan? And you're willing to listen to to my input on that. So anyway, just side note. No, that's a good side note. Yeah. Analyzing ourselves live on air. It's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So to this, to this point about what can we do to make conflict something that's healthy and accepted and a normal part of how we operate three quick things. One, and I already mentioned this in team meetings, if you need to make it mandatory for everyone to play devil's advocate. So make that mandatory. We're all on the same page. It's fair. And we're going to play out. Why might this not work? capture those up. And and I think that's important to, once again, you're having healthy debate and dialogue about the decision on the table and what's the best decision to make. So that's one. Number two is when someone starts a debate, 
and someone else changes the subject because they're uncomfortable. Be the person that says, hey guys, we need to hit pause and go back to what Ash said. We need to hit pause and go back to what Tristan said because they, they said something we really need to think about and we need to, we need to talk about it a little bit more. So I don't want to lose it. And that's, you can do that in a nice way. Right. And, and it's, it's totally common for people to try to avoid conflict and change the subject, but be that person who recognizes it and don't, don't give your group permission to skip over that. Go back and address it. So that's number two. The last one, and this is really important, is making sure everyone on the team understands that debate is not about a person. It's about an idea. And we all have this same goal of having the best result for our team. So we all want the best result. It's not about you. It's about this decision or this idea and addressing is this the best idea or not. That can be really challenging because it requires each person, each individual to separate themselves from their ideas. Yes. Yep. Especially if you do have people on your team that tend to have the better ideas or have the ideas that end up being chosen, mm-hmm. it can feel like, well, my idea is never being chosen. But it's not that your idea is never being chosen. Your your idea is helping the process yes. regardless of whether or not your idea gets chosen in the end. Yep. And it's, it's really tough sometimes. I, I think of our R&D folks, research and development, they might work on a, a product for five years. And then when they go to the commercial team about launching that product, and the commercial team says, mm, this price point, the cost to produce this product and the price point we can sell it for, we can't launch it. It's really hard and it's not personal. And, and you really, you have to put the company or the team above your own, your own desire sometimes. Yeah. And that can be demoralizing though. I've been in that situation. Yes. yes. Oh, it is so hard. Yeah. Once again, I'm, (laughs) I'm not into the details, so I'm not an R and (laughs) D, but I feel for those, you know, people who invest in something for years and then it has a go or no go decision and you are fighting for what you've worked so many years, years doing. All right. So fear of conflict, that's dysfunction. Number two, once we have accomplished having good conflict, We then move up in that pyramid. The third dysfunction is lack of commitment. And there's something important to notice here. Once again, all of these build on each other. By having productive conflict and all team members speaking their mind, it makes it easier for everyone to commit to the final decision. So in that team meeting, if you hold back and you think you have a better idea, but you don't say anything, you're probably not going to be as committed to that final decision that the team makes. Once again, that's why conflict is so important. It just enables us to have that entire team committed. So let's talk about what lack of commitment looks like. And there's an analogy. I love this. It's in a video. (laughs) And it talks about what does lack of commitment look like? The team makes a decision. And let's say that you did not voice your idea. And you're that whole team meeting, you're just thinking, gosh, this will never work. But you as the team, everyone decides, okay, this is what we're going to do. So then... People start working and here you are, you're not committed. You don't think it's going to work and you're watching. There's one train going this way and another train going this way and they are facing each other. And you see these two trains that are about to collide. If you were committed, you would say, hey, we need to tell this conductor, you need to shift so many degrees this way and then we're not going to have anything. We're not going to have a collision. Right. When you're not committed, you look at those two trains and you go, oh, I never thought this was going to work. And you step back 
and you let them hit. You let it happen. You just let them collide. And then you think, oh, I, I told you so. Yeah. I knew it wouldn't work. But guess what? You actually didn't vocalize that. So this this is why commitment is so important. If we are not, it, and it goes back to another analogy, think about being in a boat. Uh, <laughs> I was kayaking with my brother almost a year ago, and there are these moments I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Which way are you rowing? <laughs> We're going this way, and you're going the opposite. So if you're not rowing the same direction, you're not going to get to where you need to go. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're not committed, you're going to let those trains collide, and you're going to be that cynical person on the team that says, well, I told you so. Yeah. And, and it's almost like you want it to fail. So commitment is so important, and that's why we have to have debate in order to make sure everyone's voice is heard and everyone is justifying why we're going to choose this one path and we're all going to row in the same direction. Yeah. And you can't truly say that that decision was the wrong decision if you weren't putting in the effort to make it work too. Yeah. Because it takes everyone on that team. Then it's partially your responsibility if it fails. Yes. Even if you didn't like it to begin with, but you get on board. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I think about this with co-leaders too, I think this is an interesting dynamic because I know with my last co-leader, we, from the get-go, we said we will fight like crazy in a closed room, but when we come to a conclusion and we walk out of that room, no matter whose idea it was or who won, quote unquote won, we're, we're not going to fight in front of the kids, <laughs> basically yeah. not going to fight in front of the team and we will pre- present a united front. That doesn't mean we'll never say like, we weren't sure about this, but we're not going to throw one person under the bus and say, well, actually it was Cody's idea and I'm not really behind it, but that's why it failed, you know? Yep. So presenting that united front together, even though, but, but we had to talk it through and we had to actually have those conflict conversations. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example. And as a team, that's what we should be. Once we make a decision, we're a united front. Great. So how do we, how do we overcome this? There's a couple ways when it comes to making sure everyone on that team is committed That first one, we've already mentioned it, is making sure everyone's voice is heard during debates and decision-making. Oftentimes, it's not necessarily a matter of, oh man, my decision was, or my idea was chosen or not, but it's knowing that you were heard. And so making sure everyone's voice is heard is so important. The other piece is as you have that conversation about what what are we going to decide to do is making sure you're justifying why. So why did we choose this path instead of a different path? We all had a healthy debate, and here's the why. And people really need to understand that why, because if they just think that we picked a decision and they don't know the justification, it's easier to not be committed. Another piece is making decision-making as transparent as possible. And that kind of goes feeds into the why as well. Mm-hmm. So making sure everyone can transparently see why we've chosen this direction, here's the reason and the rationale, and it's not some secret. We're not trying to hide anything from you. So that transparency is, is super key as well when it comes to making sure everyone is committed. And I usually think of like aligning with your goals when you're communicating that. Like these are the goals. And so that's why we're making this decision because it points us closest yeah. to our goals. Yep. Perfect. So those are some key ways to overcome that lack of commitment. We've got two other dysfunctions here we're going to run through. One is the avoidance of accountability. What does that look like? Avoidance of accountability. This is when team members go to the supervisor to tattle versus hold one another accountable. And it's not fun when you're the supervisor and everyone's tattling and you have to go try to fix this or that. The most powerful type of accountability is peer-to-peer accountability. 
that is the most powerful. It takes trust, right? Yeah. It takes, it takes trust, vulnerability, admitting mistakes to do that. Um, and we'll talk about some other ways to, to do that, but that tattling to the supervisor, that's a sign that there's not, there's not accountability amongst the team. And then the other sign that this exists, this dysfunction is team members, let others fail instead of checking in on them and seeing if they need help. Hmm. So that lack or avoidance of accountability, it's, it goes back to, I'm just going to focus on me versus I need to make sure we're all holding ourselves accountable because I care about the team and our goals. Now, this is an interesting place to put in. I feel like we might have to come back to this in a future episode, the concept of failure and being a team that allows failure and allows people to try things. So that's kind of a, that's sort of a different topic. That's yeah, that would be a great episode. That makes me think of the microculture of a team. So you have a culture at the company or the organization, but your team has a microculture and making failure or mistakes acceptable. Yes. And so that's kind of a different thing than what what you're talking about of, Mm -hmm. you know, letting someone fail because you just don't want to step in or you don't want to help them or something like that. That's different. Yep, exactly. So we'll Put that in the notes. We'll come back to that. Yep. Stay tuned. (laughs) How do we fix this? So avoidance of accountability, couple strategies for us to fix this and overcome this dysfunction. Make it clear what the team's standards are. Okay. Here's our team standards. We, we win or we fail as a team, right? So we are all in this together. Another strategy, have a way to openly measure progress and one of the things that, that I love, I do, I really enjoy weekly team meetings and having a scorecard. And I've seen a million different types of scorecards. So we've done ones in OneNote, Excel spreadsheets, all of the above, but weekly team, team meetings where we're able to say, here's, here's once again, our team's goals for the year. Here's what I have to do this week. And next week I know as a group, we're going to, we're all going to look at this and I'm going to have to say whether I accomplished that or not. And at that moment is when I need to voice, do I need help? And so it is a team accountability. We're all doing it together. So that is one great way to make sure that we are holding ourselves accountable and, and we have a measurement. And this is something else. If you're really interested, there is a, a book and a, a way of accountability called 4DX. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, Ash. I don't think I have. It's the four disciplines of execution. Okay. And so that is, there's, they also have a scorecard as well. So that's another way. If you're looking for a way to measure accountability, okay. that's, that's a different book. <laughs> it's a good one. Once again, put a pin in it. We'll come back to that yes. later. <laughs> the last piece here is clearly capture down what needs to be done by who and by when. So being specific, that, that only enables us to be accountable. If we don't have that captured down, how can we hold ourselves accountable? Okay, last one. Last dysfunction, top of the pyramid, inattention to results. It's the very top of the pyramid. This is the, the final dysfunction, and you have to have all of those other dysfunctions overcome in order to, to overcome this last one. So you need trust, you need conflict, you need commitment and accountability. What does this look like? Team members only care about their individual responsibilities. And then second, team the team doesn't take responsibility for the group's failures. Hmm. So this kind of is similar to accountability, but it's it's making sure that we are focused on what are the results as a team. Yeah. What are our team of goals and objectives and making sure we're delivering on those results. It's not just about my piece of the pie. Right. But your piece of the pie feeds into those results. Yes, exactly. Recognizing that. Yep. 
So how do we overcome this? We need to ensure that the entire team is aware of the team goals. I know we mentioned a team charter in our previous episode. That is where we have to have those team goals captured down. We need to revisit it often, talk about it often. A second piece is reward behaviors that contribute to the team's goals. So when when someone steps up and they go above and beyond and they do something that is helping a teammate or helping the group advance towards those team goals, reward those behaviors. Yeah. And I know a lot of companies have a system for recognition. Ours, it's a system. It's called Inspire. Ooh. It's a computer system where you could send points, virtual points Whoa, to people fancy. to say, good job, you exhibited this behavior. Um, some some companies aren't as advanced with that. But, but as a leader or as a team member, send a note, send an email, copy the supervisor and say, hey, Ash did such a fantastic job. She went above and beyond and she she did this behavior and this action that helped her our team advance towards our ultimate goal. Yeah. That would be so encouraging to me if someone did that when they saw that, because it's a recognition of not only are we moving forward, but they saw my individual piece contributing to the team, which goes back to love languages too. It does. (laughs) Words of affirmation, recognition. The last piece here, how do we overcome this is leader to revisit results frequently with the team. So maybe it's those weekly team meetings, monthly team meetings. We're saying, okay, here's how we're tracking. We have a scorecard with, we said we were going to do 20 workshops this year. We've done five. We need to pick it up. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that that leader needs to make sure we're revisiting that frequently, not just at the end of the year where you go, oh, oops, we have 20 <laughs> more things to do and we have one month. My bad. Yep. Not good. So that that's a rundown. Five dysfunctions of a team. Once again, the book by Patrick Lencioni goes into depth with all of these. How do you apply this to your, your own life? Once again, be a leader be an influencer. You do not need to be the supervisor to be a leader and have conversation and dialogue about these dysfunctions. Absolutely. I feel like I just want to underline that point. Like, yeah, circle it, highlight it. Yep. And it takes courage. Oh yeah. Sometimes we don't see ourselves as a leader or an influencer and you're doing that to yourself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you aren't, but you're, you are holding yourself back. Yes. So have the courage, start the conversation. You don't have to come out full throttle but you can ease into it. A couple other things. There is actually a test. There's an assessment. We'll put a link in our podcast notes where you can have your entire team take an assessment. It's anonymous and it gives you, it's a green, red or green, yellow or red as to where you are in each dysfunction. And that assessment does cost money, uh, but it's, it's really valuable. It gives you this PDF with lots of pages and wherever you need to focus as a group, it actually gives you like a page of strategies. So we've mentioned a few strategies today, but it gives you like team building activities. Here are multiple team building activities you yeah. can do. So that's if you if you notice that your team, you're like, man, we got some dysfunctions. <laughs> you're like, we got some issues. Yeah. Uh, take encourage your your team to take this assessment and then it actually can help you identify what are some strategies we can impl- implement in a plan so we can overcome these. Yeah. And then and then the last thing is always at the end of the day, always make sure that your team you focus on trust, that that bottom of the pyramid, make sure everyone feels safe. They can be vulnerable. There's that trust because everything else relies on that trust. Yeah. That truly is the foundation to overcome these, these dysfunctions. I love that this applies to every kind of team. I mean, I'm thinking about there tend to be certain types of jobs where your, your teams aren't seen as this. It's almost like 
uh, we think I'm thinking about church jobs in particular for, for whatever yeah. reason that came to mind. Like we don't think of those teams as the kinds of teams that need to think about these things. It's like we just expect them to come together when in reality we need these building blocks. And we need to start at the bottom, start with trust yep. or any other kind. I mean, it could be. Yeah, if you and your spouse work from home together and you have your own company and you need to talk through these things, like any situation in which you're creating a team that has goals to accomplish, this is relevant. I'm so grateful you mentioned that because those are safe places too. Like maybe you don't get paid to to work at at church, right? You're a volunteer, but it's a safe place to test this out. So if if you are someone who doesn't see yourself as a leader or you're afraid to take this to your workplace, where are those other teams that you're a part of where you can practice and play this out? So that's a really great point that can only help us to, to fine tune those, those tools of our own to help improve our teams at work too. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for talking us through those dysfunctions. We um, all have yeah. issues. <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, I'm excited to think I, I need to think through these for my own team that I'm on right now that I'm yeah. in charge of. I need to think through where are we stuck? Cause I think we are stuck. So, um, this is going to be helpful for me. So thanks for that. Good. Absolutely. And, and it's normal and yes. this is just a part of it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, thank you guys. I mean, previous episode, we talked about stages of team development. This one, we dove into the dysfunctions, which if any of these really resonated with you, you probably have something to focus on Yeah, yes. <laughs> with your team. Uh, our next episode, we're actually going to talk about uh, friendships. Friends. Friends. So we're going to continue this Who Dat series and talk about something else that I know we talk about coworkers. We see them you know, so many hours in a day. Well, there's also friends that we spend a lot of time with. So what are some of those key principles for those relationships? Yeah. I'm excited. Yes, me too. So tune in next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us on Living Box Free, put on by On The Rise Group. Follow or subscribe to Living Box Free on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play to hear our new episodes every Monday as well as our bonus episodes. You can learn more about our services at ontherisegroup.com. Also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ontherisegroup. We hope you'll tune in next time for more helpful content.